Welcome to the Fast Lane. Nick Miles is our auto expert. So drop it into gear. You've got a green flag. Here's Nick. Uh, definitely dropped it into gear this week. Uh, we have had, I've had one of the most stellar weeks in automotive I've ever had in my career. It started off with traveling to a secret location with BMW to have their new car of the future unveiled in an airport hangar inside of a cargo jet from Lufthansa. It continued on with driving the brand new BMW X5 in Atlanta. By the way, Atlanta, I love you much, but you have the worst traffic in the world. And that car has some pretty cool features. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about that, but one of the really cool features is when you drive in, let's say to a complicated parking space, and you get in, you can hit a button and it will retrace the car's last 50 meters backwards the way it came in and you don't touch anything the car goes all right this is where you came in this is where i'm going it doesn't actually say that but it does that it goes all the way back from the way uh you drove in which i think is super cool as a whole bunch of other cool features gonna find out about that as well uh and then ryan and i uh traveled out to a place called dallasport which if you're not familiar with if you take i-84 from portland oregon all the way out east about 90 miles and you go left over the bridge into Washington State, uh, you come to this small town called Dallasport. And Dallasport has a little airport. And we went out there. We were invited uh, by Gresham Police to go train with them for the day. And we did that. Do you have a lot of fun, Ryan, doing that? Do you know who the Gresham Police are? Those guys are... Those guys are crazy. Yeah. They're literally crazy. Well, crazy in a controlled environment. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. It was um, so much fun. I've never had so much fun without lights and sirens on in my life. Like we, there was no lights and sirens involved, and we still had fun. We were um, just leveraging cars and spinning in circles. Yeah, and, and watching those guys train as well. Uh, it's it's tough. Like I felt badly for them when they hit a cone because they get immediately just not disqualified, but they have to go back to the beginning well, of the test. Because when we hit a cone, it's like, oh, that was that was bad. Don't do that. Like minus one second for them, it's like that's your job. Yeah, you <laughs> hit a cone. That could have been that could be your job. A, a stroller. Person, it could have been a, a parked car. So there's no cone hitting allowed. And the tests are interesting, like 45 miles an hour into this small box. And at the bottom of the box, there is a, a like a, a cone missing where you can steer out. And then you have to suddenly break. And it was just so there were six recruits. Uh, they are uh, new officers that are on duty in Gresham. They went through the training and then we went through the pit maneuver training with them. And I, my whole life, have wanted to pit maneuver a vehicle and finally got to do it. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Uh, still, also to come on the show, uh, Perry Stern is going to join us. He is the guy that supplies a good majority of the articles for MSN.com. I'm sure you've read some of his stuff, whether you know it or not. Uh, he was on the Cadillac XT4 launch in Seattle, as was I. We'll talk about that car. We'll talk more about the BMW. And Anton Wallman going to join us uh, on the show. And he is our uh, crazy man scientist. We say that under our breath. Scientist, we say that under our breath. But truly, he is a independent analyst and uh, I would just say know-it-all about uh, electric cars, about Tesla, and he'll inform us of what on earth happened to Elon Musk and his tweets this week because they were jaw-dropping. So we'll find out about uh, you know what's going on with him too. Uh, in the studio with me, Ryan and Jen for the whole show and Perry joining us as well. So Ryan, I know when we drove away from Dallasport after doing the Gresham Police testing, um, and uh, you had that smile on your face was like, I want to be a police officer. 
I still do. I've always wanted to be a police officer. It's just the policing part. It's just you're a public <laughs> servant. You're not really. It's not what you see on TV all the time. It's all the the scut work of going door to door and dealing with domestic disturbances and mentally, mentally. It's the action it. part you want, and not the yeah the the hard like the de-escalation chases. you want. To, so maybe if there's a police job out there for Ryan that just involves police chases and taking down perps, you'd be in. It's like L.A. I think it's like <laughs> CHP. I don't know. One of them uh, would be nice. Uh, Perry, have you ever wanted to be a police officer? I don't think that was ever high on my list. I want to drive like a police officer, but I don't want to be a police officer. Jan, what about you? Yes. You do? I think it would be a lot of fun to be the river cops. Oh, like fishing bodies out of the water? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you just got the smile on that face when I said fishing the bodies out of the water. I guess someone has to do it. Yeah. That's a river cops. I never thought about that. I guess these, I was talking to these guys, by the way, the, the most stellar recruit, and I have to thank Rick Blake for setting me up uh, with, with the uh, team at Gresham. Uh, and uh, they were just awesome. The the instructing team out of this world. Like I've never met such a great instruction team. There's six new officers who are already on the street working. Uh, just the nicest guys you could ever want to meet. Like, and the verbiage, all their verbiage is like, I said, uh, I wanna, I wanted to film when the car brushed up against. I don't even know. I can't remember what his correct verbiage is. But he said, I said impact, and he looked over and he was like, it's not an impact. Right. You're just bread. I don't you you pit them. What did they say? Did they say brush up? Yeah, or? so so part of the pit maneuver which is super interesting is uh you have to get the same speed of the car behind you and then you have to get your front fender locked with their rear uh, fender. And you have to basically so the first time we did it we just traveled with the cars together and I was just pushing a little bit but not like trying to push not trying to pit them so i was touching and they have those fenders are like they're they, these could be tanks they are probably about an inch half an inch thick uh steel around the outside if you of the have car. a brush guard on your truck this makes it look like a little a little tiny toy <laughs> yes <laughs> like, the, it's the, a man's these bumper. things could take down walls yeah. there is just there is no bones about it and so you touch uh, f- uh, front left fender to let's say left rear fender of the car and then you just travel like that just touching and then when you you do that a couple times and then at that point you just turn the wheel quarter of a turn and the car in front is like skids out and they throw it into neutral so they don't ruin the transmission when they're doing the and these test cars by the way oh are they beat up <laughs> like I have seen better stolen cars that have been driven for five years sitting I mean these cars have been through they call it a, a deep pit when yeah. they accidentally hit the back door instead of the quarter panel yeah. <laughs> they had a, a fairly decent looking uh, Chevy Tahoe there that <laughs> somebody had accidentally hit the, the side and the doors are all crumpled in <laughs> did I they tell you how to defend against a pit maneuver no that they don't want you to know <laughs> no. that <laughs> they didn't teach us that yeah. they, they, they told us a few things that they weren't for public consumption so uh you know because they don't want the public to know i guess that's true tricks tricks and tips that they have that you know if the bad guys know uh how to do it they don't want to do it but that's coming up yeah right (laughs) (laughs) i'm not allowed i'm sure i'll get serious large amounts of tickets in gresham if i start uh telling all the secrets so all right that and more to come next we're going to talk ram trucks on our auto expert Keep listening. More of Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles is coming up. Start your 
your engines and you're off. Back to our auto expert with Nick Miles. So, a lot of fun driving police cars, I'll tell you. Um, now, they did, uh, Rick Blake did send me a, a direct message afterwards from Gresham Police, said, you know we're hiring right now, and I told him if I could pass the test, I'd be right there uh, as an auxiliary officer, but I don't think I could pass the test because I'm just not clever enough to be a cop. Which a is short English cop in Gresham. Watch <laughs> out, Gresham. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny? That'd be funny. Uh, They'd be like, excuse me, ma'am, do you know why I pulled you up? Is this a joke? <laughs> is, this like, punk? Where, is this a joke? It's like, where's the camera? <laughs> where's the camera? Are you the guy from, from from TV? Where's the camera? Why are you pulling me over? Is this like a TV show? It's this comedy aggression, please. Yeah, it would. Uh, I probably wouldn't make it. I was going to say, they probably recognize you from YouTube and television. Right. <laughs> but like, you're the guy from the, from, from the news. Uh, <laughs> So uh, I am interested because I saw a press release this week of something cool that uh, that was happening with Ram. Uh, Ram have introduced this brand new version of their uh, the Ram trucks called the Harvest Edition, and it makes me laugh because it comes in the same colors as your tractor. It's <laughs> the two most popular tractors in the United States, which we think is funny because we're not farm folk. But if you're if if you work hard and you are very proud of your equipment and your farm uh, equipment and and you f provide the food for many of us, you're probably extremely proud to be have. Nasty yeah, you're, you're, better, you're extremely proud to have a truck that's the same color as uh, as your tractor. Uh, joining us on the phone, David Sauer from Ram to talk about their new Harvest Edition. So this is not just about the color, is it, David? No, it's not. Uh, Nick, thanks for having me on the air. I appreciate the opportunity. And I do appreciate the irony also regarding uh, the color. It seems like uh, for those non-farmers, almost absurd, but uh, there's a lot of loyalty to the tractors in the agriculture space because that's how they make their living. And they pass that loyalty from generation to generation. You have some farms that have only driven case tractors for decades. And so, so you've matched the color to to the vehicle, but so it's it's two different tractor companies that you've matched the color to, right? Yeah, they're all part of uh, one larger company called Case New Holland. So it's two different brands, Case IH and uh, New Holland Agriculture. And so that, what colors do the tractors come in? Case IH is uh, always red, and uh, New Holland Agriculture equipment um, is primarily blue. And so Those are the two colors that we matched. That's so interesting because I know I know now I know four colors that tractors come in. So the Huxfana is Huxfana is orange. Uh, John Deere is the green. Right. And now I know the the uh, the red and the blue. Holland and 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 the, who's the other one? Case. Case is red. New Holland is blue. No, case the case is red. Uh, now I feel like I'm well versed in the tractors. However, we should mention that this is not just about the color of the vehicle, is it? That's right, Nick. There's a lot of other things that are going on with this vehicle, and primarily capability for uh, the farm guys. This vehicle, the chassis cab, comes in a 3,500 or a one-ton, the whole way through a 5,500, which is a Class 5 vehicle. So it's got a gross vehicle weight rating up to 19,500 pounds. 
So that's a lot different than the police cars that you were driving. <laughs> the bumpers are probably pretty similar, but I'm thinking that the uh, the engine's a lot bigger. The uh, so when we get up to those big vehicles, presumably they're, they're diesel. Once you get it, how big is the engine in that? Well, there's two different engines, and you're right; they're primarily diesel. But we do have a gas engine offering, which is a 6.4 liter Hemi V8. You might recognize a 6.4 from some of our SRT products. Yes, I do. Engine. <laughs> um, so it's a truck version of uh, that particular powertrain, and that's the base configuration, which offers us best-in-class horsepower and torque for these type of trucks. And then the one that's most common is the 6.7 liter Cummins diesel engine. Oh, which oh. <laughs> Nick's excited. <laughs> that's you powerful, know, that's right? That's the, yeah, that's the sound that most men make. <laughs> <laughs> What's the sound of a 6.7 liter coming to? <laughs> uh, so the, follow me here, Dave. Follow me, right? I want to. I want to just like put this into boxes. Uh, a Dodge Challenger Hellcat Widebody Red Eye, 6.4 liter. A uh, the new Harvest Edition fifteen hundred six point four liter presumably. Uh, does the red eye come in that red and that uh, blue? <laughs> I'm thinking you could have Not all three again. and be done. <laughs> I'm sure that you can get a red red eye, but you can't get a case uh, IH. Oh. Fail. There's I, a I'm lot just of very saying, sad people right I'm now. I'm <laughs> saying right now that I could, you can, and then you could do a three pack. <laughs> like you, they could do a tractor, yeah. they could do a truck, and, and a red eye. Yeah. All like something for everybody. Yeah, yeah. and then so it's it's day. work day, <laughs> weekend fun. Just saying, it could be a complete Dodge New Holland family right there. Um, yeah, you just have to remember though that the trucks are only called Ram now. There's no. D word in front of them. Yeah, that's right. So it would be a Ram Holland Dodge family, but they, you there know, you it's all the same family, right? I mean, we're all friends. It's all in the family. We're all friends. As a matter of fact, the the case of New Holland brands are part of uh, a larger uh, affiliation that we have with those companies. So there is some common ownership between the case of New Holland brands and the Ram truck brands. It's all intertwined. So uh, let's talk about money because that's important to farm folk uh, who work the land. They don't like to, to spend a lot of money on things. What are we talking about money-wise for these new trucks? Well, the chassis cabs start at uh, $43,990. That's for the 3500 and that comes with all the equipment that you get on the, on the chassis cab, which the things we talked about with powertrain, it also includes our 8.4-inch Uconnect, uh, with uh, connected technology, serious weather, and the uh, navigation, of course. Uh, it also includes uh, polished aluminum wheels, chrome grill, chrome door handles, so the farmers want their trucks to look nice as well. You, that is all in there at the starting price of 43990 If you get the 5500 it starts uh, right at 49000 now, one of the things I know that's really super important to these guys is the amount of hours they put on their engine. So is there some way to, to monitor that in uh, in the vehicle? That's one of the very interesting uh, details, and I'm I'm astounded, Nick, that you uh, caught on to that one. But the, don't, ever us, don't, don't, don't ever underestimate me, Dave. <laughs> I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have. The, you know, when it comes to tractors, that's how they measure the uh, use that's on a tractor is by the hour meter because they're not accumulating miles like cars do. 
on our trucks, we actually provide both. So if these vehicles spend a lot of time idling, a lot of time working in the field but not accumulating miles, the second owner could judge that vehicle based on miles and hours. So that's something that we include on this special edition. Our auto expert uh, audience may be surprised to know I actually own two tractors. They might be used for cutting my grass, but I still own two tractors. <laughs> oh my gosh. But do you have a matching tractor? They call them tractor? a lawnmower. <laughs> In America, we call them lawnmowers. Yeah, they're tractors. They're tractors. They're tractors. And now I have two. I might be racing them anytime soon. So. It's what the rich people call a tractor. The lawnmower. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Uh, and they could fit quite handsomely on the back of one of these new trucks, I will oh, have that's you know. True. Uh, and, and I regularly may be doing that. Uh, let, let's, let's ask you these questions. When does these become available? If someone is looking at buying these, is this something we'll have to wait for for a while, or are they going to be on, on uh, the Ram lot soon? They're going to be out there very soon. We are allowing dealers to place orders now. Uh, and uh, we'll be shipping them as soon as the end of September uh, out to the dealers. And it, now I have a question for you. So it, this is presumably based on the uh, the previous RAM version. Uh, is the new is the new RAM version going to get sort of these updated colors? You can't tr- trick me into talking about future products. Oh, <laughs> you see, it was just a very innocent question, uh, Dave. You have been a awesome player in our game today, which is uh, which is have fun with tractors. Uh, if anybody is interested in the brand new Harvest Edition tractors, of course they can always go to the Ram website. Is there a special commercial Ram website, uh, Dave? They can go to. It's all part of ramtrucks.com. You can find all the information within there. We do have a commercial section where the tractors will be featured, but ramtrucks.com is what you need to remember. All right. More of Our Auto Expert is coming up. We're going to be talking about uh, Cadillac, their new XT4. We're going to talk in more about uh, some of the cool cars that are about to be released in the future, including a few from BMW. That's coming up next. Stay tuned. There's more to come with Nick Miles. Jump right in and put the pedal to the floor. Our auto expert with Nick Miles continues. Fun with trucks, fun with police cars. You have never had a Sunday that has made you so excited. Tractors. Uh, welcome, Don't tractors. Tractors and trucks. <laughs> tractors, trucks, and police cars. Uh, Perry, what is the most fun you've ever had in a car? Most no, fun. That's, that's kind of a loaded a question. I was gonna <laughs> say. I'm going to have to say it was it was a couple months ago. I had a chance to go full throttle in a McLaren 720s. Oh yes, yes. sir. And I broke the 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 barrier. I hit 209 miles an hour. Oh did. on a closed road. A closed road uh, special event in Sun Super Valley, biased. Idaho, where they close off a section of road and uh, basically you go as fast as you can in three miles. Right. And. Uh, Top speed of that car is two twelve, so we came close. Oh, so. uh, but that was that was just amazing. Uh, did you do launch control in that car? I did not. Uh, we did. I've never heard Ryan scream like a girl. <laughs> that is the fastest car I have ever been in. And he's sitting in the so passenger. She's like, whoa! Pinned sideways at 30. I mean, I think it's 30 what, miles an hour <laughs> sideways. It'll hit 60 in what, two and a half seconds? Something, yeah, 2.6, something 2. like 3. that. 2.7, 2.8. Yeah. yeah, once you get to that point, it really doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, uh, like I enjoy like there's very few things in the world that I will hunker down and do anything to do, but make Ryan scream is one of them. <laughs> it's, I was going to ask how hard it is, but <laughs> yeah. you know it's pretty hard. Like he's he's pretty. Uh, I could tell you the things that get Ryan excited: uh, flashing lights and going fast. Two of them. Yeah, both of them. Well, well if you go fast yeah. enough, you'll have flashing lights. That's why I like <laughs> them. They normally go hand in hand. You know? uh, we uh, we learned an awful lot about what we can get away with and we can't get away with when we uh, spent that day with Gresham Police in Dalsport. That was a lot of fun. Uh, they were pretty, you know, pretty awesome and like letting us know a lot of inside stuff with that. And we. We uh, we know now not to do some of the testing that we've done. <laughs> I was going to say, have you have you learned the error of your ways? We we spent uh, we've done this a few times. We spent some time in Germany together, didn't we? Test driving the um, Aston Martin AM DB11 no, AMR. DB11 AMR. I have to get the names right. Yes, which they have is a lot now of them. the base DB11. They the, got rid of everything. They else. don't have the V8 DB11 anymore. Uh, the, well, it's the base twelve. They, right. They don't have a regular This replaced DB11. the V12. Yeah, it's replaced the the normal V12. Uh, there is no normal V12 now. The AMR is the base version. Is, is there, there ever normal? a V normal yeah. V12? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, it depends where, how much money you earn every yeah. year, I guess. I suppose. Um, there are different levels. So we had fun doing that. Uh, you got into it with a German official, didn't you? We didn't really get into it. Uh, he well, we don't know because we didn't we really didn't understand a lot of what he was saying. But he seemed to be questioning our uh, parking in what appears to be a park uh, to take pictures of our car, and he wanted to know the license plate and whether it was our car. And then when he thought I had taken his picture, he made some <laughs> comment about calling the police, and I had to prove to him by showing him my camera that I had not taken his photo. And then he told us to have a nice day and drove away. Yeah, it was the strangest encounter we've ever. So I think at the beginning of that encounter, we had so we were on the Aston Martin Drive. We'd driven up in into an area that they had significantly uh, cleaned out, so they could take you could take beautiful pictures. They had sort of sorted out out of all of the local roads. We could back up next to a park, take some pictures, and uh, then when we did that, we got up there. Uh, we. We this guy shows up in an old beat up Toyota truck, if I remember rightly, that was sort of all all muddy. And I I thought he was just asking about the car at the beginning. Exactly. It, it seemed that he was just interested in what we were doing, which apparently was true. But he, <laughs> and he had a clipboard, but that was really his only official status that we could tell. Yes. He didn't show us a badge or anything. He was in charge um, of clipboards. And I guess the fact that he was going to call the police would indicate that he wasn't. Yeah. Um, it was the strangest well, encounter. He's got to go back to his house phone, you know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, we did have an awful lot of fun driving on the Autobahn, which was uh, speed limit free, didn't we? Well, most of the, most of the road there once you're out of town or speed limit free which it doesn't mean you have to go 200 miles an hour everywhere but, but you can try you can try <laughs> but a lot of roads you know for example roads here where the speed limit's 45 and you feel like you could be going 60 if you wanted there you can you go as fast as you're comfortable and it really takes a lot of the stress out of driving it's uh, a lot of fun have you ever driven a lamborghini i have um we we have somebody from lamborghini on in fact the ceo coming on next to awesome. talk to us about their their new uh the car that was unveiled at pebble beach which i'm pretty excited about uh ryan is way more excited about it than i am the yeah. svj <laughs> uh this is a, a version of their car that goes super fast ryan what, what were the stats i mean it's a v12 too but it, it does ridiculous and ridiculous doesn't it I, you don't remember? I, it's all Nurburgring. It has the fastest Nurburgring, Nurburgring right. time it's of any production car. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That seems... 
I, how how do you break the record again? Every time you watch these videos of them breaking it, it's like, how? How, are, how exactly. is that even possible? Especially when they break it by, by number of seconds. Yeah. I mean, this is this is ninety-five turns. How do you how do you make that faster? Six minutes, forty-four seconds, ninety point ninety-seven. I remember when the Viper did it, and everyone just their minds were blown when Viper broke the record. Well, Nissan GTR did it in seven something, and that was blew everybody away. Exactly. Um, and now, of course, we're down to six forty-four. How relevant for a production car? How relevant is it though? Because I mean, clearly nobody drives a Nurburgring. You know, uh, the, the U.S. Yeah. audience is like, "Well, you know, Nurburgring. What does that mean?" People yeah, here we are know. talking about it. Yeah, yeah. well, That's well, we true. are we yeah. are car geeks. That's true. To be honest with well, you. Well, there's that too. Uh, we Nurburgring is how it's measured for the rest of the world, but for us, I mean, I don't know. It's another way. I mean, zero to sixty. You know, you know, top speed things like that. It's just another way of measuring cars against each other. Exactly. This this new Lamborghini Aventador SVJ will be the subject of our uh, next segment, and we get to actually have the CEO on, which I'm I'm pretty. And now I'm going to work, by the way, in the break to learn to pronounce his name because it's Italian. And you know, when you have the CEO on of a company, well, you, you don't want to say it all. It you got to say the Lamborghini Aventador Super Veloce Jota with. Actually, we need 63. to have him say it. 60, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's way too much in there for me. That's coming up as Our Auto Expert continues and a lot more in the show as well. Entertain, go to OurAutoExpert.com 24-7. You can listen to the shows that we've done in the past. Don't go away. There's more to come with Nick Miles. Our Auto Expert will be right back. Our auto expert continues. Here's your host, Nick Miles. I will tell you, Pebble Beach this year was... Um, I just really realized I need to make about 4 or $5 million more a year because I would just pour it straight into buying cars. I don't know if that would cut it. <laughs> <laughs> it probably wouldn't when you watch people just throw down a, a couple million here and a couple million there on cars. Or 45 I, million. I love, I love uh, beautiful cars. And that is why... I'm going to spend a little time. Uh, we want to talk to uh, the CEO of Lamborghini. So the first thing, and, and let me see if I can get this right. Alessandro Famisky is, uh, is his name. We're going to have him on in just a second. But I will tell you that I am extremely excited to, to have him on when Brendan tells me. Oh, it looks like they're ready to have him on because uh, uh, the car that was at Pebble Beach that they had, the new uh, Aventador uh, SVJ, was just uh, completely unbelievable and this car and the stats were incredible v12 i have never ever driven a lamborghini that has been one of the saddest things in my life that has never happened but i'm sure we sad. might be able to correct that <laughs> uh, we might be able to correct that today um and we're looking forward to their uh, they're going to be on in just a second or so um so i also want to ask you guys if you had to choose a supercar, what would it be? First, I would like to drive them all to be able to make my choice properly. <laughs> a, a two or three week uh, supercar, like you could have one for two or three weeks and then see each. Yeah, that yeah. sounds good. And yeah. then you could choose which one it would be. It would make they would make making that decision, you know, more proper. And and then after you've done that, then you could decide uh, which one you were going to buy. Yeah, exactly. Not that I'd be able to buy it. I just would decide which one I would buy. And, and then and then you'd want somebody else's money to buy it? Well, since we're going that route, yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I, th I think we planned by next year. Exactly. Uh, so let's say a month with each supercar, you could choose 12. And there's probably four Lamborghinis you want in there. Four, yeah, it may as well. Four Ferraris. I mean, I think 
this event at our SVJ, we we would have to throw in. Did you see it while you were at Pebble? I did. And? It's very pretty. <laughs> <laughs> and it goes very fast, right? It's very, very fast. Um, th- this is the thing with Lamborghinis. So the, the story about Lamborghinis uh, is that these cars were um, Mr. Lamborghini himself, who makes tractors. So I knew we we're could back get to more tractors. tractors in this show. <laughs> makes tractors, uh, owned a Ferrari, but didn't like the transmission. So he took the transmission to um, the guys down there at... Uh, oh, he took his own transmission Yeah, he took to his Ferrari. own transmission to Ferrari and said, would you put this in one of your cars? And they went, no. They just gave him the cold shoulder. So he went, okay, guys, I'm going to build my, not in, in an English accent, but in an Italian accent. Okay, guys, I'm going to build my own car. Yeah, that's exactly so what it did. sounded like right there. <laughs> <laughs> and he did, and there was born the Lamborghini car brand. So you said you watched a documentary about it. Yes, uh, 60 Minutes did a, a piece on Lamborghini back in the, I want to say the 70s. Morley Safer did the piece uh, with Ferruccio Lamborghini and Valentino Balboni, who was the test driver back then and just recently retired as the test driver. I think he's still on as a consultant. And uh, and the piece was really driving, you said the beginning of the show was him it's, driving his tractor into the farm? Exactly. Ferruccio Lamborghini drives his tractor into the farm and drives out in a Lamborghini Countach. Uh, it's perfect. Farming. Definitely worth finding if you can find it. You see, we were we were we thought it was funny that people wanted to match their trucks at the beginning of the show with the same color as their tractors. But ultimately, uh, the truth is, when you could, you know, when when you're making a lot of money out of farm vehicles, you can have whatever you want, really, can't you? Tractors and supercars. That's what it's. That's what it's all about. Yeah, life. Isn't that funny? You're actually you've hit on something there because it's about big, huge horsepower that can pull anything, or it's about Really light, big engines that can go anywhere. What's going on, Jen? Did we get him on the phone? Not yet. All right. We got the, disconnected. There, there is a, there's a technical difficulty with, uh, with getting uh, Alessandro Famishi on the phone. And so we're going to uh, try and do that. He is the CEO of Lamborghini, and we are going to talk to him about this. This couldn't be worse for me, right? I've waited for years to talk to the CEO of Lamborghini, and now I'm not able to. Well, well you'll be able you to. Will. There's a, there is patience, Miyagi. <laughs> there is like 30 people working back there uh, trying to. Well, actually, Brandon's is working, working as hard as everywhere. 30 people to try and get him on the phone. Phones um, flying everywhere. So apparently, we conference called in. So Lamborghini do things very efficiently, and they had five people like in a conference call to make sure he didn't say anything or there wasn't any uh, you know issue. And uh, they couldn't hear us, but we could hear them. That happens often, too. I always wonder, what happens if they do say something? It's already live. Yes. <laughs> so what happens if someone else strike that from the record? <laughs> <laughs> now they would say, oh, one moment, please. We can't talk about future products. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they, and, you know, and interesting enough, the Aventador's been around for a few years, right? It has. And this is sort of the new iteration of the Aventador. There have been many iterations of the Aventador. Mm. Well, this is the latest. This is the latest and the fastest. And you can still, when you buy this, you can get the uh, the number 63 um, on the door, which is one of their race numbers. Yeah, I think you can get a... It's the year that Lamborghini... Oh, yes, yeah, the, the first year. It's and the 50th you, anniversary. Yeah. But you can get a second number too, right? Mm-hmm. You can get a second number on the door, and I can't you remember can what that was. You get anything you want. Yes. Yeah. Right. Literally. If you ha- do, we, do we get a price on these? Um, well, the 2017 base is 400000 Base. Oh, base. That's just the base. Uh, by the time you've put in your uh, specific color to match your tractor, it's going to be well, considerably more. Well, and this is more. SVJ trim level. Right. So right. It'll, yeah, it'll be 
It's also very guy. limited edition too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I believe they're all sold, but I'm you have sure to know the CEO. <laughs> you have to talk to him on your radio show and have exactly. a chat with him. That'll get you your in. <laughs> then, then he might put you at the bottom of the list if you're lucky. Right. <laughs> um, we, then we'll be taking donations. It's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting that there is a very big split in the supercar world. You have the Lamborghini guys and the Ferrari guys, and you're Ooh. either one or the other, right? That's well, the then there's the McLaren cars. guys. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, well, they're the English, right? Oh, uh, oh, no. five hundred and seventeen thousand seven hundred and seventy dollars is the is the base price. Have for you the been to California? There's also the the Pagani guys. Once you start getting out into those smaller companies, it's it's almost pointless. Yeah, because there's so they only make like twelve, Koenig's twenty, you know, fifty cars a year. Right. Uh, whereas guys like Ferrari and they're making twelve thousand. I'm not sure how many a uh, year. I don't think they're making that many, are they? Uh, that was their are. goal to oh, make twelve thousand, okay. um, and apparently there's never going. There's not going to be a Ferrari SUV. We found that out too Ooh. this week. Oh, man. <laughs> the, the, the GTC4 Lusa, just like with a little lift kit on it, you know, some big huge yeah. knobby. Tire. You know, I'm that sure would you, be cool. <laughs> I'm sure you can go to Gran Turismo uh, in uh, Ron Tonkin Gran Turismo in Portland, Oregon. Arun, they, are you listening right uh, now? They, Arun would raise lift, put a lift kit on your uh, your Ferrari GT4. I want to show it to somebody at Ferrari too. Oh, they need to know, dude. They they they'll stab you between the eyes. Drive, drive your <laughs> off-road Luso <laughs> to Pebble Beach. Yeah, you'll yeah, be. Ooh, I'm thinking about project car. Right cool. Exactly. And then we can get Gresham Police to do the bumpers. Oh yes. And then you go straight from Pebble to SEMA. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I couldn't. I could never do that. I could never do that to a Ferrari. Like it makes me uncomfortable putting lift kits on some things. There's uh, there's the guy on YouTube oh, who know. took the Rolls Royce and he he took a Wraith and oh. put giant off-roading tires. I'm feeling oh, sick now. I'm feeling slightly sick. Oh, why man. would you do that to a? It beautiful... looks awesome. I mean, <laughs> that's why you do John that. Olson is his name. He's. I mean, you can check it out. The car's still for sale. It's it's very it, expensive. Uh, that's that's crazy. That's crazy. I am. I am. I'm sort of super worried that uh, now somebody's going to go buy a Rolls Royce and ruin it by doing. Oh, come on. You would void the warranty, by the way. Uh, Mini would let four hundred thousand dollars for a car, and, and you void about the, the warranty. warranty. Yeah. Well, you, do you really think someone who's buying a four hundred thousand dollars Rolls Royce and can do that to his Rolls Royce is worried about the warranty? Mm-mm. Uh, He's drifting yeah. it in the snow, uh, <laughs> right. because he probably has two other Rolls Royces exactly. anyway. So. My friend uh, just bought a new WRX uh, GT uh, WRX um, Type R STR oh. STI, and uh, they voided the warranty within about ten seconds of getting off the lot because they nice <laughs> they they took the exhaust off and welded a new one on. That's the end of that. So what is it, uh, sixty days or something. Like that? Let's uh, let's try this. Let's see if we can do it uh, on the phone with us, uh, Alessandro Fajitski. Uh Hello, sir. Welcome to our auto expert. Hello, good afternoon. So we have had exciting times talking about your cars in the last few minutes. Uh, I was very impressed when I saw your uh, SVJ at Pebble Beach. This is the uh, the latest in the Aventador uh, stable. Yes, the SBJ, let's say, is the pinnacle of the pinnacle. It's uh, the ultimate uh, experience in terms of a super sport car for, uh, from Lamborghini. And uh, it's uh, the latest evolution uh, of a very successful model, the Aventador. And with the SBJ, we wanted to, let's say, celebrate uh, the, the, the best performances uh, in the racetrack uh, anytime. And J is a suffix that we use uh, to denote uh, all those cars that are track-focused uh, talent. Mm. 
Uh, that's good to know. So, did you expect the Nurburgring record to happen when you uh, when you made the car? Did you think you would beat it? Uh, let's say that our engineers are always a challenge to get the utmost from uh, all what they produce. So, was clear the task for them uh, to uh, produce and design to design let's say, the, the best car. Uh, uh, to beat again uh, the Nürburgring uh, lap with uh, 6 minutes, 44 seconds and 97 cents. So, I mean, uh, that is uh, an outstanding result. The the vehicle itself is only going to be in limited production, isn't it? Yes, it's uh, only 900 uh, pieces uh, worldwide. Uh, and uh, I have to say proudly that uh, are all uh, sold <laughs> so far. So it's so, an incredible success. So if I was to talk to you nicely, could you get me on the list? <laughs> I can try. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it, it would be quite difficult anyway. <laughs> well, I, I'm going to start a GoFundMe account so we can raise the money. The, the, it, it seems almost like it's getting harder and harder to produce uh, like you know, better and better sports cars because, and, and performance and supercars because it seems almost like uh, Lamborghini seems to reach new pinnacles every time and yet there seems to be new and then the engineers are challenged to find new and even better technologies. Is there still the possibility of making faster and more powerful cars or do you think we've reached the end? I have to say that uh, I, I believe there is never an end. Uh, believe, uh, believe it or not, I mean, uh, technology goes ahead uh, and uh, I think our task uh, is to be always at the age. So being at the age of technology and cutting edge technology means that uh, we need to invest uh, in our future continuously. And uh, it's clear that uh, we can expect before or later maybe someone else coming or our, us as well coming with new products uh, performing even better. Uh, it's a matter of uh, you know, the normal development of things. But uh, the good news uh, so far is that we are the number one. <laughs> No, absolutely. Do you, I have never uh, been lucky enough to drive a Lamborghini. I've seen many of them uh, on the road today, but what makes them stand apart from other supercar brands in the world? I would say that uh, what makes Lamborghini special for sure is uh, the design uh, of the car, how is it, it is uh, conceived, uh, so starting from the exterior design, but also from uh, uh, what is the technological content? If you take uh, the Aventador so far, I, I, this is the unique product uh, with this price uh, uh, that uh, is available with uh, need the rear engine, uh, in this case a 770 horsepower, full carbon fiber, uh, monocoque, uh, uh, push rod suspensions, uh, uh, Formula One derived um, gearbox, uh, four-wheel steering system, so it's a package that all together makes uh, this car and our cars in general are so special and so appealing. I am super excited uh, by these new cars. Uh, I will say to everybody, uh, we have to make a, a break for the news, but I will tell everybody, if you are uh, interested in, in test driving a Lamborghini, you should. It should be the one thing that you should put on your list to do in your life. We'll find out more about cool cars on the road today. Thank you so much, uh, Alessandro, for joining us today. You're listening to you. Our Auto Experts. Don't go away. There's more to come with Nick Miles. Our auto expert will be right back. It's our auto expert with Nick Miles. Hello.
locally created, nationally celebrated. This is our national little car show called Our Auto Expert. And we are in our $10 million facility broadcasting to the world. Uh, Perry Stern, my guest. If you've ever read MSN Autos, Perry is the guy that uh, is one of the forces behind all of that information that you read there. Uh, Perry, how many how many years you've been doing this? Uh, something around 20 years or so. It right. seems like forever. When you and I started, we didn't have gray hair, did we? Uh, yeah, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen pictures of a young Perry Stern. Yeah, that's from a long time ago. Uh, so we both were in Seattle. Uh, to the Cadillac chose Seattle, interesting choice of city to launch their XT4, uh, which is their smallest SUV to date. Yes, it's uh, you know very stylish. It it looks like you'd expect. It's a Cadillac, uh, and it was nice to have in Seattle, especially personally because I live in Seattle. <laughs> One of the things that I was most impressed about the car, and I have to say before we get into this interview, that driving impressions are embargoed at this point. So we can't talk about driving the vehicle, but we can definitely talk about all the cool stuff that right. we experienced on the vehicle. Uh, yes, very very stylish. Uh, does join the rest of the Cadillac family. You can see it's part of the XT family. It's a smaller version of the XT5. They chose to put it in a a sort of a weird segment because there are cars the size of the RAV4, which is uh, the compact, and and then they, uh, I think they said the wheelbase meets the compact, but uh, well the interior volume is compact and right. the wheelbase is subcompact, something like that. So it bridges two different categories. And then of course it's a premium car, so you're looking at basically comparing it to cars like Acura RDX or uh, they said BMW X1. I think it's closer to X3 in size. Yes, um, I would agree. Um, uh, maybe it bridges. So if you think about the BMW X1, it has the wheelbase of the X1, but the interior space of the X3. I think that's kind of a better way of putting it. Probably. Uh, um, but it's a, it's a pretty busy marketplace. I mean, the compact premium SUV or crossover, as you call it, uh, there's a lot of uh, product in that. Right. And so bringing a new model into that, you really have to be on your game. That's where the money is, of course. Like Jaguar Land Rover Absolutely. did not, or, or Jaguar as a car company did not make money until they released the F Pace. Uh, well, they did not make significant sales. Now the F-Pace, the one single vehicle, outsells every Jaguar on the market. And I wouldn't be surprised if E-Pace passes it up. Yeah, uh, that, that's, their, that's their entry into that same market. Yeah, it's the, the, ba the baby Jaguar SUV. Actually, uh, Tim Kaniskas, who, who is the president of Maserati uh, Alfa Romeo, has a, a better word for them. Because SUVs doesn't really make... He calls them UVs, utility vehicles. And which that, I like that better than SUV. UVs. I think that works. I mean, unless you're BMW, in which case you call them uh, SAVs, yes. activity vehicles, as Sport opposed to utility vehicles. Yeah. Um, well, BMW but it really doesn't matter to, what you call them. BMW like to do everything differently than everybody else. There is that. Um, um, it gets confusing when car companies invent acronyms for something that we bliss, blind spot. You know, um, blind spot basically in your vehicle, which signals you if somebody is sitting in your blind spot. Different car companies started to call it different things, and then you say. Is that bliss, like the blind spot? You know, I know. I mean, it's. I tend to genericize everything. It's you know, as far as what it's actually called. There's yeah. cross traffic alert. There's blind spot warning. There's lane keeping, et cetera, et cetera. And then um, people come up with new names like ProPilot Assist, which Nissan have, which encompasses everything. And I'm like, whoa, okay. Whoa. Well, I, you know, the perfect example of that is back when GM used to call the sunroof the Astro Roof. <laughs> of course, it wasn't a sunroof. It was an Astro Roof because you could see gas stations through it. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's get back to the XT4. Stylish. Uh, what did what did you note that was 
nice about the vehicle that you thought was stellar that pushed it ahead of its competition? I mean, I, th- I think it, it looks good on the road. It's kind of low and wide. Uh, as it happened on our drive, we passed a Lexus NX, another one in that same class of vehicle and it looked much wider and lower than that lexus that made it look a little more aggressive it made it look more fun you know more like something someone would want to drive the wider the vehicle is the more aggressive and more sort of sporty it seems exactly Uh, and and if you have a tall thin vehicle almost seems topply to me right gangly is the word that always comes to mind it Uh, doesn't like ryan yeah, there you go. And he's out of the studio now, so, so he can't even defend him. himself. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I think that the headlights, especially, they're tall and narrow, um, which is kind of that same Cadillac look. Uh, but it helps, you know, increase the width, at least the styling of the car. Uh, materials seem to be typical Cadillac. Yeah, they were pretty high quality. A lot of plastic in the doors, um, and uh, you know, there were some spots that didn't quite seem premium to me. Uh, but for the most part, I mean, seats are very comfortable in front, you know, nice leather, et cetera. We should mention that it has one of my favorite features, which uh, was first introduced into Cadillac, which is the uh, vibrating seat. The seat massagers, yes, well, indeed. Well, the one that tells you... Oh, that. Yes, the the vibrating seat warning. It's not actually seat massager. That means you're driving over the lines in the road. <laughs> you're, you're getting into danger. That's why the seat is vibrating. Exactly. I'm trying to get comfortable, so I just keep going over the line. Well, I just did it because it was fun. The interesting thing, though, I noticed with the uh, seat vibrating, it also vibrates when it noticed a bicyclist on the side of the road. Right. Uh, so it actually detects a pedestrian, and uh, not only does it have an indication in the windshield, it uh, it has an indication in your rear as yeah, well. Yeah, the, head, the heads-up display was kind of cool. It let you know about cyclists, which one of the thing is, uh, when you have a group of cyclists, like as you may do in Portland or Seattle if you were driving to work, uh, does that seat vibrate for every cyclist? Because like, could be quite live, fun. If you live in the northwest of the United States, you might be uh, a little bit disheartened with the amount of vibration that goes on yes. in your seat. Perhaps it overwhelms the system. I don't know. A gaggle of cyclists, uh, you know, you'll appear in your heads-up display. It's a good warning, though, because one of the things uh, the other day, um, some cyclists were getting a little angry with me. Uh, I hit a pothole and sort of wandered, not into their lane, but close. And they started shouting at me, and and everyone else in the car is like, "Hey, that's kind of rude." And I said, "Not really, because they're trying to let me know they're there. They're not being aggressive. They're just saying, hey, guys, by the way, get a little close. Just be careful.' It's not anger. It's like you know, it's kind it, of fear. You know, yeah, it's yeah. it's they they like to keep their bodies in the same condition as they started the ride in. That's my goal every day. I get up. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the one thing I do find impressive about the new Cadillac XD4 is they they have a um, near fuel communication device in it so you can actually just tap your cell phone on to a, peer, a place in the car and it will do uh, all those near field communication pairing and all that sort of thing which I think is kind of cool because a lot of times pairing a phone to a car is uh, so painful and then they disconnect and then you know it's nice to be able to tap it on the car and have it do that it, it is nice to do that it also has a, a very convenient place for uh, wireless charging so you can slide your phone in under the center console and uh, it just charges sitting there, which is really convenient. All right, Perry Stone on the show. You may have read him on MSN.com. He does the auto uh, segments. Still to come, loads more, including uh, more discussions about this car and some other cars we've been driving. And I want to talk a little bit about BMW's new X5. Coming up on Our Auto Expert, I'm your friend and driver, Nick Miles. More of Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles is on the way. 
Nick Miles, and this is our Auto Expert. Welcome back to the show. It is car day. I'm just declaring it every time we're on the radio. If you are in any way whatsoever interested in cars, this is definitely the uh, the show that you should be listening to. In the studio, Jan, Ryan, and Perry Stern joining us from uh, msn.com. Uh, Perry does a lot of the... Uh, what is your most popular story, Perry, that you've ever written? The funny thing is, it wasn't exactly about a car. Oh, it was the RV one? It was about the new Airstream Base Camp, right. uh, which blew away everything else we've ever done. Uh, it was a fun little camp. How many, how, many, how many reads of the story? It had about 20 million page views right. in a couple of days. Dear Airstream, thank you very much for sending me one. Yes, I'll look send me another one, please. <laughs> in my driveway. Uh, what, outside of the Airstream, what cars get the most popular views? Uh, it's often the, uh, the supercars, they, you know, the eye candy, get a lot of attention. Things from SEMA get a lot of attention. Auto shows. Are you uh, going to SEMA this year? I am. You know about our project? I do not. Oh. <laughs> we have a SEMA car we've been working on. Really? Yeah. Is it a raised up Rolls Royce? No. <laughs> no, I'd never do that to a Rolls Royce because I have morals. Future product. Yeah, can't comment on future product. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we had this really brilliant idea. Um, we noticed when hurricanes happen, like Florence is happening currently now in North Carolina, right. that uh, the first thing that people do is go to car companies and say, hey, there's these people, we got problems, can we get some trucks from you and go rescue a whole bunch of people, save their pets or whatever. So we were thinking, how could we be ready for this when it happens and prep for it? What do we love? Well, we love animals. What do we do really well? We do project vehicles really well. And so I thought, why don't we make a project vehicle that's special? We can lend to like the local SPCA during a hurricane or a disaster, natural forest fires, lilac fires, Washington fires, uh, hurricanes, whatever it may be, Houston. And then we can lend it to them. They could rescue a bunch of animals, you know, like infrared cameras so they could see them in the dark, all this sort of thing. And then when they were done, send it back and we refurbish. So the hard notch custom guys in Vancouver and I got together, wheelcraft, paddock wheelcraft, and we decided this was a great idea to do. I happened to be sitting at dinner at CES one day and mentioned it to the guy sitting next to me. I really want to do this. And he goes, well, I'm Michael Bunce, the vice president of Nissan, sending you a truck tomorrow morning. So he sent us a truck. And so this is based be, on Titan? Based on Titan. Nissan will unveil it as the uh, pinnacle of their uh, press conference at SEMA this year. So, and it will go in, uh, hopefully if Joel and the team at Hard Nudge Customs can get it finished. That's very um, cool. I yeah. look forward to seeing that. So it's going to be fun. It's a great story. It's a local story. And uh, we hope to put it in, it'll be at all the auto shows. It'll be at Seattle, Portland, LA. And we hope to uh, have 50 of them is the idea. Um, we started a charity. We have a 501C called Animal Rescue Rigs. And uh, we're going to basically put it uh, put it together. Now we have to like, learn how to run a charity and raise money and do <laughs> do all the things we never really minor wanted details, to do. Yes, yeah. minor details, uh, and then you know purchase forty nine other trucks and do the same thing. <laughs> uh, but the idea we a lot of people helping out, uh, Linux helping out, um, you know Lund, uh, Warren Winches helping out, a lot of people helping out to uh, light bar companies helping out. Uh, to get, uh, uh, I think we're talking to Northwest Headlights right now to, to get the emergency lighting done. Uh, so we wanted to put a whole bunch of these uh, together and hopefully rescue some animals. That's great. Uh, and then Ryan is going to look after them at his house. 
Even <laughs> the trucks or the dogs? Yeah, the tr- no, I'm looking after the trucks. Ryan's looking after the dogs. Wait a second. <laughs> We're going to uh, yeah rescue hobby. So we'll be at SEMA this year presenting Excellent. that for the first Excellent. time. No one's seen it yet, um, uh, and I'm I've only seen it in drawings. I've never seen the actual. The truck has been delivered to me three months ago. I've never actually seen the actual truck ever. It's been at the shop. I saw so, it the other so day. So is it going to be done in time? Uh, iffy, but it's, it's gonna, a SEMA build. What's your yeah? It's what's got your say it on means that? the paint will be drying in the trailer exactly. on the way down. Yeah. yeah. Anybody else building a SEMA car? <laughs> <laughs> so we, have, we have to get it down. My brother-in-law, uh, uh, Brian Social, will be down there. He'll be. Uh, he always goes to look at the latest stuff. He has a shop in Salem, Oregon, and uh, a whole bunch of other guys going down there. I think uh, SEMA is one of the best and worst experiences of your life. Oh yeah, exactly. I mean, typically I look forward to going, and within about. 24 hours I can't wait to leave what the hell was I doing here <laughs> and just I do it every Vegas. year going to Vegas for work in general is just awful that it's, may be part of it it's yes. awful it's like a, it's it's like a big sports game it's like you're going to a blazer game in Portland or something I mean there's the amount of people there but it's continuous over the space of like four days yeah you get you tired know, of it quick 50 and nobody's nobody's looking where they're going you know, everyone's looking at the cars, so it's just you're hitting everybody. We got cameras and all kinds well, of stuff. It's so just it's like, packed. We're just yeah. yell, we're just yelling, just trying to get and, through. And so, like aftermarket stuff tends to be a lot of our golden citizens who are interested in it, and they don't move as fast as some of the young kids. So they they should they should have lanes, lanes for people who don't want don't want to walk fast, and then lanes for people who can't. <laughs> the funny thing is that it's not even open to the public. All of these yeah. people there are tradespeople or media or yeah, you know, somewhere associated with the industry. But it's not like auto shows because you'll go to an auto it's show different. and then you'll get a thousand engineers underneath cars taking pictures from a rival company because they're trying to re- replicate the new heads-up display that's in the Cadillac XD4. Yeah, it's, it's, that's always an odd part of the auto shows to me. Yeah. How do they get in in the first place? It is a bit sketchy. Oh, those but, guys measuring... Doing all the measuring. Yeah, measure like the wheel lug nuts and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, auto show season presumably now kicks off with SEMA, but they've moved to Seattle Auto Show uh, much further forward, right? Or back. Now, is it going to be at the end of the year? I can't remember what it is now. Actually, I'm not sure when Seattle Auto Show is. I'll they, look it up. I'm looking up right now. They changed the dates of the uh, Seattle Auto Show. They changed Seattle. Detroit. That was the big well, Detroit hasn't changed, changed yet until next year. Okay. So this year, Detroit is in January, and then... Uh, starting in 2020, no, 2020, it will be in June. So Seattle Auto Show is November 9th through 12th. So that's um, pretty normal. And then Portland Auto Show follows that in the beginning of the year. So, so an LA Auto Show is right after that. LA so Auto Show is the week after Thanksgiving. Right. So it's in, so there's SEMA, Seattle, LA. I mean, there's a lot of shows in there. Right, right. And then Detroit's still in January. Chicago's still in February. And Geneva's in March. Is, and then New York in April. Right. And so, but but Geneva, I don't count the foreign auto shows. See, I think those because, are the most exciting shows well, of them all. Yeah, but no one ever invites me. Well, that so, I can't help you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, go, you, go, you go to them anyway, though, don't you? I do. You yeah, so I'll go to, I'm going to Paris in three weeks for the Paris Auto Show. All right. What, what can we expect to see at Paris? Luxury vehicles? Uh, a little of everything. I mean, it's, uh, you know, all the European car companies, that's kind of their home show for the year. And so uh, I know Mercedes is unveiling a large number of new vehicles. Is that an alternate show with something else? So yes, Paris so is one year and then something else is the next year? Right. So Paris and Frankfurt alternate. And on the years that Frankfurt's taken place, uh, so is Tokyo. 
So Tokyo and Frankfurt. So I went to Tokyo last year. Best experience of a foreign auto show ever, by the way. Tokyo auto show is one of my I favorites. I guess I should retract my statement that no one ever invites me because clearly <laughs> because they I, did. Toyota took me to the uh, the Tokyo auto show. I, I, Japan is like a whole different world. I, I, I can spend hours explaining the culture there. The and the one, food is so good. Yeah, everything is amazing. Uh, the one thing that blew me away about Japan driving, if you've never, first of all, they drive on the same side of the road as English, so I have a, I have a advantage there because I was prepared for that. But the on ramps are so short, you, it's almost a zero to sixty trial of the car because <laughs> you have to get up to speed in what seems like you know fifty feet, which is crazy to me. Uh, and so short the on ramp, so you get onto the on ramp and you're like me. And you get up speed so you can merge into traffic. And then it ends, like, with a brick wall. There's no, like, I can run onto a hard... There is no hard shoulder. Japan is a small country that has very limited space. There is no hard shoulder to run into. If you don't merge, you're into a brick wall. That's, that's the yeah, end of There's that. some good incentive. Um, whereas Germany, completely different. I find Germany very similar to the United States. It's, it, Germany does feel like there's wide open spaces, lots of room for roads, and, and they know how to drive there too, which helps they, a lot. They usually pick places for us to drive, which are definitely wide open though. When we go, when we drove the uh, Aston Martin uh, DB11 AMR, there was a lot of wide open roads, a lot there of freeway. Um, country, and a lot of winding roads too. Yeah, but not tight country lanes. That yeah. always makes me frightened when you're driving a car that's like $300,000 um, that I'm going to scratch it up. Have you ever damaged a press car? Um, I've had a press car damaged. <laughs> That's the best way to... I had, I had the wheels stolen off of a Honda S2000 in my driveway oh, once. Sounds like a story for another time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're listening to our auto expert, Anton Warman, is coming up. He is our crazy investor and analyst. That's more coming up on this show right here. is on the way. It's our auto expert with Nick Miles. Jen's tapping me on the shoulder because she wants to make sure I'm paying attention back <laughs> on the air because I'm doing car stuff online. Uh, your, uh, your favorite, hopefully, uh, car show in the world. It's a national car show right out of our uh, little Our Auto Expert facility here. Uh, we have, I would say, one of the most fun jobs in the world, test driving cars. But sometimes we have to step back and analyze what's actually going on in the world of business and cars. And that's where this guy comes in, Anton Woolman, because he does all the brainy stuff. That, uh, that we cannot do. Anton, has it been an exciting week in the uh, an anal analyst, an analyzation of cars? I can hardly contain myself. My <laughs> blood pressure is at 240. <laughs> level of alertness is on DEFCON 5 and, uh, or DEFCON 1 or which, whichever is the one that's thermonuclear war. <laughs> From here on, it's just going to get hotter. Oh, now, now there's wow. the whole segment right there. It's not, how can you top that? So, uh, is, has Elon Musk been up to his usual tricks? Well, yeah, speaking of who, which, uh, he just came out with a statement on Twitter, uh, frankly, just probably within the last hour or so, in which uh, he was responding to these reports that tell us that many basic body shop repairs for Tesla is now taking three, four, five, or even six months, and that many 
owners have barely seen their cars since they got into a fender bender shortly after delivery. But magically, he's now promising that uh, uh, Tesla is going to do all the body shop work themselves and that the, all cars are henceforth going to be fixed within a day or sometimes even an hour. So let's think. Uh, maybe he can first get it down from six months to something shorter before promising that it'll be done within the day <laughs> or within the hour. I'd love to get a body shop guy right on now and, and ask him how they could fix it. So well, let's back up a little bit. Why is it taking six months to fix a car? So is Tesla currently doing all the fender bender fixes or are they been doing by no, third parties? No, no, no. They're not doing any of that stuff. Uh, it's independent body shops that are doing it, except they tell us always that the reason that they are unable to complete the work in a timely manner is because it's impossible to get Tesla to send them the parts. So unless Tesla sends them the parts, they can't do the work. So somehow uh, this is now going to get fixed by Tesla doing uh, this stuff in-house, uh, starting at some nondescript point into the future. Now, any sensible car company head might have said, okay, well, clearly the problem is us getting the part. We're already the problem is getting us. So instead of saying, I'm really sorry that you couldn't reach the moon, but instead we're going to send everybody in spaceships to Mars. <laughs> it seems like just an overkill. Why doesn't he just say, hey, we'll get the parts out faster and let the other guys fix it? Well, these things are not mutually exclusive. Remember, tomorrow he is going to announce that uh, true brave souls have paid him some godly amount of money in order to be sent into or orbit. I don't know if this is the, the Google founders or whether it's Grimes, but by 2025, he thinks, he promises, he hopes that he will be sending two people on a trip around the moon, which comes coincidentally, or perhaps not so coincidentally, on the eve of Audi introducing its first electric car in a mega affair uh, in Silicon Valley, right in his own company's backyard. So clearly there might just be an attempt here at diverting the subject away from a most credible competitor coming out with a new vehicle that will be able to charge at 150 kilowatt uh, hours, sorry, kilowatt and um, which uh, will have a uh, very competitive charging network uh, at some point within the next couple of years. So for those people that don't speak electric car, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, so the uh, electric car, when you charge them using a DC direct current, which is the fastest way of charging an electric car, such as the kind of charging you would do at an uh, interstate freeway, rest stop, uh, that determines the charging speed. So, for example, today... A Tesla can charge up to about 120 kilowatt, uh, and there are a couple of other electric cars that theoretically can do something like that, most notably the Jaguar I-Pace. But here comes Audi saying, well, in the car that we will be starting to deliver into Europe here in the fourth quarter and which arrives in the U.S. probably by the end of the first quarter, we can do 150 kilowatts. So basically, it's going to be a little bit faster to fill up the juice when you're at that interstate uh, uh, freeway stop. Now, I'm going to this event tomorrow, as I'm sure you are. Uh, is this vehicle going to change, revolutionize the electric car business? Because it's an SUV. I know that much about it. Well, yes and no. Right. Keep in mind that uh, Jaguar beat 
Audi to the punch in terms of uh, starting to manufacture and starting initial deliveries in Europe just earlier this week of the Jaguar I-Pace, which is a fairly similar car in the big scheme of things. In fact, they are more similar than not when you think about it. Even the starting price, we believe, is going to be very similar. Audi disclosed just a few hours ago that uh, the price of the Audi e-tron in a fully loaded state, that initial few thousand units that come fully loaded with all the goodies, is going to be $86,700, which is essentially what a fully loaded Jaguar I-Pace is going to be. Now, the Audi is just a little bit larger than the Jaguar, but not dramatically so, and they really look uh, fairly similar to each other. They sort of play in the same overall class. So both of them are going to compete both with each other and also with the large incumbent, which is obviously Tesla. Now, the I-PACE is supposed to do uh, around uh, 240 miles on a single charge, and I'm sure this will do similar. I want to continue this conversation. We're going to take a quick break for the news, Anton. Don't go anywhere. And then we're going to find out more about Audi's and new e-tron car that will be released tomorrow. Plus, I want to ask you questions about Ram having the number one hybrid in the United States. It's coming up. More of Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles is coming up. He's Nick Miles, and this is Our Auto Expert. In the studio still with us, Ryan Jen and uh, Perry Stern from MSN Autos. On the phone with us is Anton Wallman. So, Anton, how far will this uh, new Audi SUV go on a single charge? Well, the initial estimate that they had provided a few short months ago was that it was going to do between 240 and 250 miles on a charge in uh, most conditions. So that's pretty similar to the Hyundai Kona Electric. That's right. The Hyundai Kona Electric was certified to do 258. Keep in mind that the Hyundai Kona is a smaller vehicle and it's only front-wheel drive. The Audi is not just only all-wheel drive, but in the back, it will have not just one, but two motors. So it will be able to do without a rear differential, which will mean for extremely powerful torque vectoring, so a very sporty ability to uh, conduct uh, some pretty extreme uh, tricks on a racetrack or equivalent. Yeah, that's why they can make the wheels turn at uh, different rates, and it's, it's kind of cool when you have uh, a different M motor doing it separately for a vehicle because you can actually turn corners much more efficiently. Um, so, all right, so in the big picture of things, we now have Tesla with uh, the Model X or the Model S or the Model 3. You now have uh, Hyundai, you have uh, who are non-luxury, and then you have two luxury brands, Jaguar and uh, Audi. Is there more coming? Yes, there are. Uh, one of them is Hyundai's sister company, Kia, which will be coming out with a Nero EV here uh, fairly imminently. I think deliveries are basically starting in Korea right now and will be commencing in Europe before the end of the year and should be in the U.S. in the first quarter. So that is probably the next entry of any significance, and it will in turn be followed by General Motors next summer, who is going to have not just one but two incremental cars that will build upon the initial pioneering success of the Chevrolet Bolt with a B. Oh, we may have lost Anthony there. 
Yes, can you hear me? Yeah, sorry, we lost you for a second. So the so on top of the bolt, you said, the last thing I got was uh, you're building on top of the bolt sales. So those two, will they be different sizes than the bolt? Well, we know very little about them. Uh, the best theory suggests that they will be a little bit larger than the bolt. So uh, one of them will most assuredly be labeled a Buick, and the other one we don't know. But I think they will both be a little bit larger than the bolt and have a little bit more amenities, a little bit nicer interior, maybe even a slightly bigger battery for a slightly bigger range. Now, there's also the extended range LEAF that comes this year too, or early next year? Well, we just said uh, that's the thing. Uh, we don't know exactly when it comes. We know it's coming, uh, but uh, Nissan has been woefully quiet as to precisely when. They actually just put out a press release a couple of days ago, just said that it's coming in the future. And when you hear an automaker saying that something is coming in the future, it doesn't sound like next week, next month, next quarter, it starts uh, to sound suspiciously like far into the future, which let's hope it's not. Let's hope they're just saying that because they obviously need to sell every single unit they produce of their current model, which is already collecting dust in the U.S. dealerships. Uh, Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, what kind of insight can you give us into Maserati's blue that they're supposed to be rolling out here soon? Well, Maserati has a few different models, both hybrids as well as a pure EV coming out, but none of them is going to hit the market uh, until about two years from now is when you'll see the first of those starting to hit. So uh, they made a presentation on June 1st, which is available on the FCA website, in which they kind of described a little bit about them in terms of what powertrains are coming and so forth. And basically, they're going to bring out uh, almost all of their models as a plug-in hybrid, and then there'll be a couple of higher performance models, including a pure electric sports coupe, which will also be hitting at some point after the second half of 2020. Now, Tim Kaniskas, uh, the president of Alfa Romeo Maserati, has said in Maserati Blue there will be four electrics and eight plug-ins, but they, they, they currently don't have that many models. That's right. So Maserati, just like its semi-sister brand, Alfa Romeo is going to be expanding its offerings by offering more crossover slash SUVs, as well as some of these electrics, most notably this new coupe, for example, is going to be counted on top of the existing coupe. So there's a bit of doubling up and and slicing the segments a little bit thinner, but most of it right now, they have the Levanta, which is the large SUV, and they'll have at least a couple of additional crossover of that type. So certainly that is where the beef of the sales will come from starting in about uh, late 2020 for the 2021 model year vehicles. You recently had a list of 100 electric, pure electric vehicles that are coming. Is that still on target or is that list growing? The answer is it wasn't 100, it was 200. And it's 200 of them by 2022. So the list is insanely long and doesn't even really include in that number sort of China-specific vehicles, of which there will be many, many more. Remember, there are approximately 380 
Chinese electric vehicle startups out there. So, I mean, if if all of them just came out with one vehicle each, that is going to make that list uh, three times as long right there. So uh, there will be so many of them here by the end of 2022 that none of us will be able to keep track of them. It will simply be the car market in terms of the sheer number of different models that will be available to the consumer. So electric cars, it sounds like, aren't selling that well currently. What's the likelihood in the future if there's going to be 200 in the next four years? Well, if Stalin says jump, you say how high. The government has mandated that so and so many need to be sold. And the formulas are different between China, between various places in Europe, as well as at least two different parts of the United States. So depending on where you live, the automakers are going to be forced to sell an increasing quantity of these vehicles. And just a few days ago this week, the CEO of Volkswagen, Mr. Dees, said in an interview, view that the amount of spending, which is code word in this case for losses, that they, go- that they are going to have to do on electric vehicles over the next few years is going to go from one very large number to an even larger number than that very large number. And how they come up with these numbers, nobody really knows. They don't really tell you, but it's 10 billion, it's 20 billion or 30 billion. And whatever it was, take that number and make it larger. And he meant that to say in the context of a, a essentially a warning that the profits that the company will be able to generate starting next year, 2019 and onwards for almost as far as the eye can see will become negatively impacted by the fact that they have to sell an increasing number of electric vehicles effectively at a loss in almost all the major regions around the world. So what I'm hearing here is car companies are losing and and consumers are going to end up winning because they can't just have these cars made and sitting on lots. So in part, that is correct. If you're in the market for an electric vehicle, those will be sold at a de facto subsidized rate. And what I mean is subsidies not coming from the government directly, meaning it's not like you are going to get a check from the government saying, hey, you know, take uh, 10, 20, 50 grand off of this car. But rather, the government is just forcing the automakers to sell a larger quantity of them. And the automakers are going to subsidize it themselves by having the other cars, the pickup trucks, the uh, electric, uh, sorry, the uh, the regular gasoline and diesel vehicles that they sell around the world, they're essentially going to have to raise those prices and then uh, feed uh, their ability to essentially underprice these electric vehicles below what it costs them to make and sell them. That's what's going to happen, and that is going to hurt the earnings power of all of these companies dramatically, which is why, as an investor, you should start asking, asking yourself the question as to whether these automakers are investable for the next uh, handful of years because it could get really ugly in terms of their bottom line. I mean, it's, but uh, is part of the problem that not that electric cars are too expensive and when they make them much cheaper, people will buy them, that it doesn't meet people's lifestyles the way they drive. And I'm not sure, even with 200-mile, 250-mile range, if it's still going to take more than two minutes to charge it, uh, is making the car much cheaper or subsidized, is that really going to make them sell? Perry, that's a very good point. So different people have different pain points. And the one you point out is exactly correct. For some people, even if 
the electric cars get subsidized a lot, that may not necessarily mean that they are going to buy them anyway. Although for other people, you know, at some point, you know, you know, at some point, a lower price takes care of a lot of problems, right? So if you have two or more vehicles in the household, maybe you'll convert one of them that are mostly driven between school, Safeway and the soccer field. And then the other vehicles you take on longer trips. So different people have different circumstances and a lower price will mean higher sales but it will not mean as you correctly point out that everyone is going to jump into the pool sight unseen simultaneously and eventually you're going to reach that point where everybody who can drive one will and then many many years away at this point that is certainly many many years away but the problem for the automakers is that can they stay in business if these policies continue they are under an enormous amount of pressure to sell these cars both in china as well as in europe as well as uh, in north america and if they're going to lose money in all of these regions uh, what is going to fund uh, these companies the price of a regular automobile is going to go up sales of those vehicles are going to decline and they are going to end up in a very severe economic bind that this is going to come to a head here already within the next year or two whether it be volkswagen or bmw or daimler or mazda all of these companies have announced on their most recent quarterly earnings calls that they expect profitability to fall into 2019 for precisely this reason Uh Yeah. All right. It it doesn't sound like it's going to be a very bright future for some people. Uh, In the last two minutes we have left, tell me quickly about Ram uh, and the fact that they may have the number one selling hybrid in the world coming up. That's right. Back in 2004 to 2010, we all remember that iconic Prius that came out and sold to the tune of approximately 200,000 copies a year in the United States alone. And that has been sort of the king of all hybrids. Now, going forward, if we consider that a 48-volt electrical system in a car, which has a very, very mild hybrid functionality, counts as being a hybrid, it turns out that Ram, with its iconic half-ton pickup truck, the Ram 1500, should become, as we enter calendar year 2019, the single best-selling hybrid vehicle in the United States. They sold about 500,000 of them in calendar year 2017 into the United States alone. And based on the sales mix, mix that is anticipated as we enter 2019, we should expect about half of them, 250,000 a year, to be this form of mild hybrid. And uh, it's interesting that this vehicle does not carry a hybrid badge. Uh, it's called e-torque, but barely that is even mentioned anywhere inside or outside the car. Ram clearly notes it knows its customer. And this customer is not interested in seeing a hybrid badge. But you know what? It's unnoticeable to the driver, except for the fact that the, the truck now drives a little smoother and you save about two miles per gallon particularly in city driving. So you're getting essentially a 10% uplift in improved fuel economy, and the extra cost is almost zero. So for the consumer of these pickup trucks, I think it's going to be a very attractive proposition. Anton Woolman rounding out the show this week. Thank you to Perry Stern from MSN.com, who has been uh, on the show the whole of the two hours. Plus Ryan and Jan will be 24-7 at the website, OurAutoExpert.com. Please join us there.